Yo, what is up? You're listening to another episode of the Commish Talk podcast with your hosts, MJ Padua and Joe Bianchi. What's up? It's been a while since we've been on this horse, but we're back at it again. And uh, we got some hot takes ready for you guys. We're going to be talking draft analysis. Our league, La Ligma, just had its um, annual rookie draft. Uh, so we're going to talk about that. And then we're going to talk about our power rankings for the 2020 season post draft. So Joe, I would love to hear, how was the draft for you? Do you feel like your team navigated it well? Do you feel like you're excited about this team? Were there picks that got sniped from you? I just wanna hear your initial reaction to your team's draft. My team in particular's draft, I'm excited about my team moving forward. I had a really cool trade during the draft that I think I may be overpaid, but at the end of the day, like I'm happy with the guy I ended up picking. I think a lot of people's teams got a lot more impressive because of this draft and so i'm excited to break that down a little bit but uh, how do you feel like the draft went i think the draft was really fun uh the first two rounds we did long draft style with an hour clock and for the most part no one took up the entire hour but it did cause some movement up in the draft uh, which was really cool to see you end up with deandre swift i was also vying for that pick i was texting jimmy like a madman as i was walking around ikea and he told me what you were offering and I was like, this is the best I could do. And then he shot that back to you. So you had to overpay a little bit. He ended up going with you, but I did feel good. I was like, at least Joe didn't get it for the price. He was probably gonna, if I didn't jump in. So I felt a little bad because you're my friend, but I felt good because we're in the same fantasy football league. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do. I think yeah. the long draft, I think the long draft format was really cool this year. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to talk about it with our league mates and see kind of everybody's opinion and Hopefully mm-hmm. this kind of morphs what our drafts will look like moving forward. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, th- I thought it was a cool uh, addition to this year. Yeah, and it was cool, like you said, everybody's team got more impressive. And like the top teams are still at the top. We're gonna talk about our power rankings in a little bit, but like I feel like everybody's team for the most part got better, which is really, really cool. And it added more parity. Like I think the middle part of our league got so much wider and more competitive than it was last year even. Yeah, I agree. Uh, let's break down some of people's drafts and give them maybe a little bit of a grade. Mm-hmm. Who who are the winners for you this year during this uh, 2020 draft, MJ? Yeah, I think my winner would be Basti because his team was very, like, it was just really, really bad. Like really, really bad. And he moved a lot of stuff. He ended up having five picks in a row or four picks in a row. Uh, no, yeah, five. Wow, five picks in a row. Um, 208, 9, 10, then 3, 1, and 3, 2. And with that, I think he got great value at those picks, picking up, let's see, two rookies and three veterans. And so I think his team looks a little bit better because of that. And I, I would say Sebastian was my winner. What about you? Yeah, I like Sebastian a lot. I like the people he picked there. I didn't, I was impressed with the value he got there. So um, yeah, Sebastian's a really good pick. I have two winners actually. Um, number one, we've been talking about him all offseason and the picks that he had in the first round is Eric. I think the players that he was able to draft, which is Jonathan Taylor and J.K. Dobbins, I mean, are going to be solid mm-hmm. running backs for him moving forward. Yeah. And then the wide receivers he picked up thereafter with Rager, Higgins, and Mims. I think those are all solid picks and just really increased the value of his team. And he has like a really young team moving forward. So. I don't think he's going to make that much of a splash in 2020, but I think his team is just going to get better with age. And uh, yeah, he's going to be a strong contender in the upcoming years, but 
great great 2020 draft for him and we, we've been talking about that yeah um yeah and the other person i guess is basti as well just um i was a little afraid that because he had 2.8 uh, was his first pick that he wasn't really going to get anybody of value, but being able to snag Brandon Ayuk there, I think mm-hmm. I think that's an amazing grab. And then Lavisca Chenault is just this really um, boomer bust kind of play. Curtis yeah. Samuel, I really like his value there. Paris mm-hmm. Campbell, I think a lot of people are talking about Michael Pittman, but I think Paris Campbell is arguably the wide receiver to own there in Indianapolis. And then solidifying his tight end spot with Hayden Hurst, I think, is not that bad. I would have liked to see him draft a quarterback, maybe Joe Burrow or Tua or even Carson Wentz. But yeah, but really, you you can't like uh, knock him on any of those picks. I think it was a solid five picks, and you could tell he really went in this draft uh, with a good draft board and some good research. So, oh, sorry, I was really surprised with the Hayden Hurst pick. I was almost definite he was going to take Tua because some insider knowledge as we were talking he said he wanted to uh i think he maybe waited too long like that would have been the perfect pick 3.2 as like a dart throw like hey if this rookie quarterback goes off like i have him forever but yeah and then i think the losers for me starting it off i think it's hard to say that he's a loser but i wouldn't necessarily call him a winner kevin for me didn't really have that great of a draft I wouldn't give him like a low draft grade or anything. He just didn't really have that high picks. And I don't think he really drafted anybody that's going to make his team that much more valuable. I mean, I don't mind the Brian Edwards pick. I think he's a decent wide receiver. But other than that, like Julian Edelman and Bryce Love, Andy Isabella, these are people that I'm not sure are going to see that much playing time in 2020. And then moving forward, are these people that are going to be on his team in 2021 with his 12 keepers? I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. And so... For that reason, I can't really say that he had that great of a draft. Maybe he should have combined both of those picks and tried to get in the second round and get one of these people that could make an impact on his team. But um, yeah, so I wouldn't necessarily call him a loser. I just think he'd probably have the lowest draft grade in my mind. Yeah. For me, just like how you had two winners, I, I had two losers. For me, it's Jimmy and Tim, mainly because with Jimmy, his his first overall pick was Justin Jefferson, who I think is good good not great it's just it's not like he got you know deandre swift or cd lamb where he like those players elevate your draft so much i think justin jefferson is a good pick just not super great um considering the rest of his draft like a lot of them were reaches and he had he had a handful of picks if he had a full 10 i think he only picked two rookies i think he only got justin jefferson and antonio gibson his team didn't really get much younger and he took Blake Jarwin, Rob Gronkowski. He took a few defensive players. And so I just don't see the value there for Jimmy. But he did reach, and we're going to talk about those reaches in a little bit. But if those don't hit, then he's going to walk away with a pretty sad draft. Yeah, um, I could see that for sure. Back from 2021. And then for Tim, I think Tim was fine. Um, he did have CD Lamb, which elevates his draft class a lot. But beyond that, I just really don't. I guess maybe it's my own personal um, evaluation of these players, but Darrell Henderson, he was a tough drop for me, but I had to reason out, look, they invested into Cam Akers. They drafted Darrell Henderson third round the year prior. He's a smaller guy. So I just don't know if he's going to get the amount of touches that warrant a third round pick there when you could have had guys like AJ Dillon or Tua um, and Tim needed a quarterback there. Um, and then other guys like Devin DuVernay, Ryquel Armstead. It just didn't seem like he was getting great value at each pick. 
So for me, it was Jimmy and Tim um, as the two losers. And again, we don't want to say losers, but just least value at least walking away from this draft. Yeah. I think to play devil's advocate quickly for those two, Mm -hmm. I think when you look at Jimmy's pick, um, obviously he traded, he would have probably taken CeeDee Lamb or Jerry Judy, but obviously he traded back. So he got Justin Jefferson, but he kind of split up a CD lamb that he probably would have taken. And he got DJ Chark, Justin Jefferson, as well as Will Fuller. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, take that as you may, but he definitely got three for the, I guess the price of one. So yeah, it's, it's hard to look at that and say like he didn't get an amazing guy, but I definitely see what you mean that. Um, yeah. he, he has to hit or else that kind of does look like a bad pick. Exactly, because even those three names, um, what you were saying, DJ Chark and Will Fuller at least, like those two guys have had injuries in the past. And not that we're projecting injuries or anything like that, but if they do hit, I mean, Jimmy's value ceiling is really high, mm-hmm. but I think a realistic is just a little bit low, and that's why I came in there. But that, that was it's, really good It's going to be hard if you're Jimmy and you see CD Lamb doing well yeah. and you see all three of those people doing average or poorly so i see yeah. what you mean there and then for tim um i think daryl henderson is an interesting pick i think that they're going to kind of do like a running back by committee in los angeles mm-hmm. a lot of people think that daryl henderson could be the running back one there so we'll see how that shakes out i'm excited to see that running back landscape but yeah um, it'll yeah, be interesting definitely, definitely. Uh, we'll have to see as the season progresses i think we'll kind of get a better idea of how those picks turned out mm-hmm. spot on in terms of the single best value pick, mm. um, I talked about it a little bit, but Basti uh, drafting Brandon Ayuk at 2.8. Um, when he drafted him, I was like, Brandon Ayuk is still on the board. And it's kind of a bummer. <laughs> I think Brandon Ayuk got a little injured this last week, so I don't know how serious that is. But um, I think still, even with um, his hamstring injury, I think that's a great pick at 2.8. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, he should have probably gone at least 2.5 as the latest. Um, and the fact that he made it to 2.8 um, and Bassey was able to snag him, I think that's excellent value. That's the exact guy that you want. And um, I think it almost would have been funny if Bassey would have saved him for like 3.2, just to kind of like Rub show off a little bit because um, he had those five back-to-back picks. But yeah, great value there, Bassey, and great for looking out. Yeah, because Brandon Ayuk, I think the hamstring injury scares me a little bit because we've seen hamstring injuries be like a nagging thing. But you're right, like the value there in the San Francisco offense where they love to have their uh, wide receivers essentially be external running backs. Like they want the ball to travel from Jimmy Garoppolo's hand the least amount of distance into the receiver's hands. And so I think he'll even get some designed runs because he's just such a good athlete. But yeah, Brandon Ayuk is a, is a great value pick there for him, and um, we'll see we'll see how that goes. I think my best value pick was Bryce Love at five point nine for Kevin, or Alshon Jeffrey at ten point nine also for Kevin. I'll just go through those really quick. Bryce Love, I think he has a road to a role in that offense that will be conducive for fantasy. He's a really good athlete, especially coming out of Stanford. He filled in for Christian McCaffrey without like skipping a beat in that offense. He caught the ball a lot. He ran the ball a lot inside and outside, even though he has a smaller frame than McCaffrey. And so, like I said, Darrell Henderson was a tough drop for me at the end of the season. Bryce Love was even harder. Like I was debating keeping him over Mark Ingram, but I had to go with the starting running back. And that's what he got in the last round is a starting wide receiver in Alshon Jeffrey. He's been injured, but when he's on the field, Carson Wentz looks his way a lot. He throws up a lot of 50-50 balls, and Alshon Jeffrey's a huge target in the red zone. So I thought those two were really good value picks. 
Um, but on the flip side, what about worst value picks, Joe? What was uh, a pick that really made your jaw like hit the floor in terms of of how bad it was maybe? Yeah, not to shame this owner too much, but man, <laughs> I, I really was surprised at this pick. The first quarterback off the board was Baker Mayfield. You say, okay, Joe, well, where did Baker Mayfield get drafted? He was drafted at 2.5. And Oof. I'm just not excited about this pick. When I saw it, I was surprised. You know, it, it allowed Bassey to get Brandon Ayuk at mm-hmm. 2.8. I think even the three quarterbacks after him, personally, I would want on my dynasty roster. I like Carson Wentz a lot. I think his injuries scare me a little bit, but I think he's better value. I like Joe Burrow. Um, I like Tua. I think that those are promising quarterbacks that could be names in this league for a while. And I think Baker Mayfield is probably the most vanilla quarterback out of those. And when you look at Tim's team, I think he's trying to fill that quarterback spot because he has Matt Ryan, who's another, in my opinion, vanilla quarterback. But I don't think Baker Mayfield is his answer. And I would have liked to see, I don't think quarterback is necessarily the worst position here. Um, but I would have liked to see him draft a Burrow or Tua saying, you know, like, I think one of these guys are going to pop off. I think one of these guys are going to do well. Um, they might not do well in 2020, but moving forward, I have a dynasty quarterback. I think Joe Burrow would have been a great pick there. Yeah, I, I think Tim kind of dropped the ball a little bit there and drafted him a little bit early. He probably could have gotten bigger Mayfield at 3.5 and gotten, you know, Zach Moss, uh, Brandon Ayuk, Paris Campbell. I think he could have gotten another piece for his team here. And so that's why, yeah, I think I think that was a terrible pick. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And I'm going to dovetail off of your last point there. It just makes it look worse with the surrounding players that were taken. Um, like we said, he could have had Brandon Ayuk. I mean, I think even LaVisca Chenault for his team would have been really good filled in. Curtis Samuel would have been a great veteran pick. Yeah, I, I think he just could have had more there. And he could have even waited for something of similar value in, you know, three, four rounds. Because you had guys like Ryan Tannehill who, you know, might isn't exciting, but he went off at the end of last year. And I think Ryan Tannehill and Baker Mayfield, like Baker's ceiling might be higher but for the most part, they're kind of this in the same tier of quarterback fantasy wise at this point. And so, um, yeah, just it, it, it's not a feel good if you're if you're a Tim Tim's roster fan, I guess. Um, but who knows? Maybe he knows something we don't. But yeah, just 100 percent agree with you there, Joe. What about the biggest reach? Um, so maybe not the worst value, but just somebody you were surprised by their draft spot. Yeah, somebody somebody that I was surprised that went as early as they did, but I don't hate it, is Jimmy taking Antonio Gibson. Yes. I think kind of with this running back, I guess they're trying to figure out who's going to be the guy there in Washington. And I think Antonio Gibson just has a golden ticket to that. And if he performs, like he could be the Christian McCaffrey of the Washington Redskins. I've even heard Ron Rivera talk about Antonio Gibson in the same vein that he does of Christian McCaffrey. He's identified him as a Christian McCaffrey type running back. And so anybody that's in that same vein as Christian pretty McCaffrey scary. is great. Yeah, mm-hmm. pretty scary. And so this could be a pick that we look back on and was like, wow, he got him at a great value spot. But I think it went a little bit earlier. I was targeting him actually at 3.6. And I thought that was a little bit more indicative reasonable. of where he went. Yeah. yeah, reasonable. I think Jimmy probably could have drafted him at 3.4. But I don't hate the pick. Um and I think it could be really good value. And he wanted the guy, and so he went out and drafted him. And so, gotta give props to Jimmy there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was a pretty good pick. My biggest reach, same thing, man. I think we're just been on the same page a lot. And Antonio Gibson there, it's just a really, really attractive reach. Like if you're gonna reach, 
reach for an RB1 who's going to catch the football. Like, if you hit, you're going to look really, really smart. So good on you, Jimmy. Um, I know I said your draft was one of my least favorite, but I think this pick here, while it's not the crazy biggest value, I think it has the potential to be a really good steal here. MJ, for this 2020 draft, who is your dark horse pick? Mm, I love dark horse picks, <laughs> uh, mainly because my pride wants me to say I knew it before everybody else did, but I can't really get that because, well, another person drafted him before I could have. But Lynn Bowden Jr., 7-3, another pick of Eric's that I thought was just really, really good. Man, um, Eric had such a good draft. But uh, Lynn Bowden Jr., he's going to be a gadget-type player for the Las Vegas Raiders. I really liked him coming out of college when he filled in at quarterback and showed off his athleticism. And I think John Gruden is going to really, really enjoy coming up with plays for Lynn Bowden Jr. That's my dark horse pick. What about you, Joe? Yeah, I like Len Bowden there. I think he's really good at that um, late in the draft. I don't know if he's going to be that fantasy relevant, but we'll see. I think my dark horse pick is <laughs> that's toot my own horn is one of my picks. I really, <laughs> I really like Anthony McFarland. I think with James Conner's injury last year, you know, if he goes down, Anthony McFarland has um, keys to the starting role there. I think he could impress and even um, be one of those running backs that. Maybe the coaches look at and say, hey, do we need James Conner for 2021? And maybe they move on and keep Anthony McFarland. I think I've heard a lot of good things about him, but I haven't heard that much recently out of training camp. And so that's what's concerning me a little bit. I think I drafted him maybe a little bit early at 4.6, but it was a guy that I was excited about. And it was funny because uh, Basti had James Conner and he texted me and he was like, dang, dude, I was going to draft him at 4.7 just for a handcuff. Um, and he's wondering why I did it. And it's just because I think that yeah, you can label him as a handcuff this year, but I think in a year or two, we could be labeling as, you know, just one of the starting running backs in the league. So mm -hmm. we'll see. I think it was kind of a, a dart throw and uh, he probably won't even be on my team next year. But at the end of the day, um, I'm excited about the pick and I'm excited to have him on my bench. Yeah. I mean, I really hope he's not because I just bought James Conner. And so I would love to have the handcuff at some <laughs> point. But yeah, dude, if he if he does well, that's also bad for me. So that's a double win for Joe. <laughs> but let's go ahead. We're going to transition now, uh, moving away from the draft and talking about post-draft power rankings. And we're just limiting that to the 2020 season. Who do we think is going to be wearing the crown, so to speak? Is it going to be Joe again or somebody new? Um, who knows? We're going to talk about that a little bit. Maybe we're going to talk about the middle and a little bit about the basement of the league. So Joe, um, we're going to be jumping into power rankings. Could you maybe go over, or how do you want to do this? Like back and forth style, announce the picks, or just shotgun all of them out and then comb back through them and describe why they fell where they were. How, what do you think? Let's uh, let's start from the bottom and we'll work our way up. Uh, like we'll that. kind of bounce back and forth on announcing, and then we can kind of give our take on the team and kind of break down maybe some cool things they did during the draft and just how their team mm -hmm. um, is looking this season. Uh, starting off at the very bottom is probably, in my opinion, a tier of his own, uh, Joseph Luna. I know we, we dragged him through the mud on our last power rankings, and I don't think that he did a lot to his improve his position. We'll see a lot of these guys at the bottom move players around and tried to claw their way back up, and so I'm excited to see these guys making moves, trying to improve their team. But I think Joseph is one that I haven't really seen too many moves out of. And then even looking at his 2020 draft for me it's very lackluster i mean mm -hmm. his first pick 
at 2.1. Obviously, he gave away the 1.1 to Kayvon. Um, we've, we've talked about that in detail, but his first pick in the 2020 draft was Michael Pittman at 2.1. And even that pick, I think that T. Higgins is objectively the better pick, in my opinion. We'll see. I could be eating my words there, but Basti ended up drafting Paris Campbell at 3.1. And when I look at those on a draft board, I think for me in 2020, Paris Campbell is the wide receiver to own. We'll see mm, moving yeah. forward. We'll see. Um, I know Paris Campbell was battling like a minor, minor injury. And so um, we could be wrong there, but I've heard a lot about uh, Paris Campbell and Philip Rivers in training camp. And so I think Paris Campbell could be a uh, wide receiver one or two probably on that cusp um this year but uh, we'll see so i think and then his second pick was Keyshawn vaughn who Oof. we were really high on in yeah. our uh, early draft rankings but news out of camp is that Keyshawn vaughn showed up to camp not ready he was overweight i heard a scout call him sluggish and so these are these are like trigger words that I'm like, okay, I'm not buying any Keyshawn Vaughn stocks. He drafted him in the second round, which is a decent spot, I guess, for him to go, but is not somebody that I think is going to be bring any value or any fantasy relevance to his team, just based off of the way the coaches are talking about him. I mean, it's one thing for a scout to be like, yeah, he looks sluggish, but it's another thing for a coach to be, he's not ready to play in the NFL the way he's entering camp. And so, I, I mean, yeah, I'm not, I'm not excited about Keyshawn Vaughn. Um, and when you have Tom Brady at quarterback, he's only wanting people who are ready to play and ready to um, compete. And if Keyshawn Vaughn shows any ounce of sluggishness, I, I mean, I don't think he's going to see t- time on the field, really. Yeah, that was a tough one with the Keyshawn Vaughn. Um, it's like the situation is great, but everything out of camp is just not, not good. You know, hopefully for Joseph, he, he plays out well. And I like what you said about the Paris Campbell, Michael Pittman thing to play devil's advocate a little bit for Joe is, you know, you look at the receivers that Phillip Rivers ha- has had in his career. One of my favorite receivers who's really underrated was Vincent Jackson, just tall guy could climb the ladder, get the ball, pluck it out of the air. And I think Michael Pittman Jr. can be that type. So um, that would just be playing. I, I still agree. I think Paris Campbell is the wide receiver to own, like you said. Totally agree there. But I think, you know, there's a case that could be made for Michael Pittman Jr. I, th- I think also the silver lining for Joseph is that he will have probably the first round draft pick next year, if not mm-hmm. the second draft pick, the 1.2, the 1.3. And there's some really good running backs um, that he can take there. And so if you look at his team with a third good running back, I think his team gets a lot better. Um, and if these other guys at the bottom are fighting for a playoff spot um, and end up making it in the playoffs, he could be one of the, you know, I guess the guys that are in the bottom of our league that do get good draft capital next year in terms of running back. And I think his, his team could look a lot better in 2021 if he gets a Travis Etienne or a Chuba Hubbard. But yeah, for 2020 power rankings, Joseph bottom. So the next player we have up on our rankings yeah, we have Sebastian and I don't think this is a product of like having a really bad team. I think it's it's just really tough when the middle of the pack is so just really big. Um, somebody's going to get edged out. I think it's Sebastian here, but I, I think his team, it looks okay. He has a solid core with Deshaun Watson. He has Todd Gurley, Brandon Cooks. And so those aren't guys that you're really excited about, but they'll get the job done. He also has Marlon Mack for this year. And so it's not that his team is awful. It's just he doesn't have anybody really excited for 
other than maybe Brandon Ayuk, LaVisca Chenault, the guys we're talking about from the draft. But I also think, like I said, this is a product more of, it's just going to be really hard to get into that middle because it is so dense right now with the teams that are there. Um, so maybe Sebastian could surprise us, but that's who we have uh, right above Joseph, second from the bottom of the league. But, you know, Sebastian is a general manager who takes things in stride, and I think he understands where his team is. He's not um, underneath some sort of spell that he thinks his team is going to be, do better than it will. But he's just putting his nose to the grindstone, man. He's, making, he's been making moves, uh, trying to make that team better. And like we said, I think everybody's team in this league, for the most part, did get a little better from the draft. Um, and Sebastian's definitely one of those teams, too. Yeah, I agree. I love I love this draft. Um, I think his team looks a lot better than the last time we did power rankings. We were talking about his team. I think his team looked a little bit better with James Conner, but I don't hate the Todd Gurley um, running back. So it's, it's tough for me to say, but I think definitely Sebastian is um, next up on that list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I, re- I really like having him um, with Deshaun Watson at quarterback. I think it just solidifies that spot and it's he's not necessarily going to be looking for a position. One thing that I don't know if Sebastian is thinking about, maybe he's just going to see how this season plays out and make a decision halfway through this season. But if he does decide to go to rebuild, maybe trade off some of these like big names for good draft picks or something of that nature. I think that he could get, like I said, you know, Travis Etienne, Chuba Hubbard, um, Dude, Travis Etienne would look nice on that roster, yeah. Would look really nice, and I think it would really improve his team. Um, you know, Todd Gurley and Chuba Hubbard would be super dope. Um, and he's got some really decent young wide receivers, so it's not like his wide receiver core is going to be amazing this year. But I think moving forward, he's got some good guys that he can rely on. Um, so, yeah, we'll see how Bassey does this year, but I don't if I think he's going to be on the cusp of playoffs and just miss it is my prediction. Mm, yeah, he could, I could see him being one of those bubble guys. I mean, one rookie dark horse on his roster I really do like is KJ Hamler, who's a rookie wide receiver in Denver. Um, everything out of camp says that his rapport with Drew Locke has been really, really good, like almost good enough to run with the ones. And everybody knows about KJ Hamler's speed. So who knows? Sebastian could have some diamonds in the rough and the really, really rough, but still diamonds. So who knows? Yeah. Who do we have uh, next up? So next up, number eight is Eric. And we've been giving him so much hype moving into this draft, but I don't think that he's going to have a great 2020 season. I think his running backs could perform in 2020, but I don't think that the rest of his pieces are ready to transition into starting roles. In terms of team value, I would rather have Eric's team than probably some of the other guys we're going to mention in a little bit. But in terms of teams, I'd rather have just for 2020 season alone. I don't think that Eric's team is going to do that well. And it could be another situation where because he doesn't do that well, again, he gets a good draft pick and he continues to snowball. And we're talking about Eric in 2025 as this threat that we can't handle. And so he's doing, Mm -hmm. he's making moves really well. I just want people to be wary of him. (laughs) Um, (laughs) When he trades with you, he's getting good value probably. Um, He has a good track record with trades. And so I really like the moves that he's making. Um, I'm excited about his team moving forward. I think just to talk a little bit about J.K. Dobbins is the running back that I was really hoping for mm. at 1.4 with that pick. But at the end of the day, he, he got the guy he wanted. And I think J.K. Dobbins could be, you know, a top 12 running back in this league. And that offense, man, I mean. They, so they run the, the ball. Gosh. Yeah, they had the most rushing yards so last good. year. And then 
if he's getting dump off passes from Lamar Jackson, I mean, mm-hmm. that could be unstoppable. So, yeah. Yeah. I think exactly what you said, like it's because our power rankings are based on 2020 performance. And I just don't, I don't see it for Eric this year because his starting running backs are Sony Michelle, Jonathan Taylor and JK Dobbins all of whom are in like a committee backfield, right? Like with Marlon Mack in Indiana or Indianapolis with Jonathan Taylor, you got Sony Michelle, who's a new England running back, which Lord knows how to predict new England running backs, fantasy output. I mean, come on guys. And then um, JK Dobbins, who, like you said, is splitting time with Mark Ingram. And so it's going to be hard for him to get a lot of production out of the running back spot. And usually that's where dubs are going to come from, right guys. It's going to be from your running back spot because they run the ball, catch the ball, Sometimes they throw the ball. Heck, um, they are just really good fantasy value machines, and they're not—they're not super great for Eric this year. But in the future, shoot, like you said, we might have a problem on our hands with Eric in the future. So next up after Eric, we have Shaves, and so Shaves—if you compare it to last year's power ranking, Shaves is moving up. You know, Shaves is moving up the ladder of uh, of the league, and and I really like the moves he's making now. I will add a little disclaimer because there was a move he just made that I disagree with wholeheartedly, and that was he traded David Montgomery and a future draft pick for Leonard Fournette. We could go into every reason why, but yeah. I mean, I what did you think? Shaves, Shaves has in his mind, I want to win now. And you can't hate the guy for that. And I think mm-hmm. Leonard Fournette is the win now pick. Do I think that that was a good trade? No. Do I think that Shaves is making good trades? Yes and no. It's, it's <laughs> tough to say. I do like Shaves' team a lot more than I liked it during our last part rankings. You know, him taking Henry Ruggs at 110, I think that was a great pick. It was great value. He fell right to his lap, and you snap pick that. I'm not sure. It would be super sad if Shaves didn't make the playoffs this year because I think that he could have a good playoff run. That's just kind of how it is, is who has the depth and who can compete. And so... I think it's going to be interesting if he does make playoffs to see how far he does make it into playoffs. And so I think I think you can't count Shaves out this year. Um, personally, I do have Shaves' 2021 pick, so I'm hoping that he his team falls apart. But <laughs> if I had to bet, I don't think his team will fall apart. He's got some really good players on his team, but they are players, I'm not going to lie, they are players for me that do have like some question marks. You know, I mean, Kenyon Drake is like, in training camp with a walking boot so that's a little scary Leonard Fournette I mean he's kind of a glass cannon in the sense of he could go down at any time but he's gonna produce for your team if he's playing and so mm-hmm. I think that's a great pick for him if he stays healthy but that's again if he stays healthy this is the same thing with Kenyon Drake Tom Brady I mean he's getting older one you know key sack could end his career but at the end of the day Shaves is trying to win now, so he could have a really good year. He's got really good wide receivers surrounding him. He's got a really good O-line. And so I think he's going to produce some really good numbers, especially if they don't have like a solid run game. You know, Ronald Jones is their only running back. Then they're going to be throwing the ball. They're going to have this A-rate offense um, there in Tampa Bay. So do I think that his team is going to be relevant in 2021, 2022? I don't know. I'm scared for Shaves' team (laughs) as we move forward. But if we're talking about 2020 power rankings, Shaves is a solid contender and could be arguably, you know, one of the top five favorites for 2020. He's pretty much put all of his cards on the table and said, I'm playing for this year. He gave up and, this yeah. draft pick in 2021. So, yeah. and, and I think if, if there was any GM 
that I would want to take with me into the apocalypse to survive, <laughs> I think it might be Shaves because what he's shown us is that he is probably the scrappiest GM. He like took he took all the punches for our power rankings and everything, made it to playoffs, almost snuck into the second round of playoffs, and he's doing it again. And he's just taking players. He's kind of even taking a bad strategy of buying players high that you know like might not produce and for like somehow just making it work um like you said everything with leonard fournette um but there are some guys on his team that i like like michael gallup um who's really talented he's just in a crowded wide receiver room right um but then he has these explosive explosive dudes like darren waller who could go off henry ruggs who's going to be a tyreek hill you know blow the top off of defenses kind of guy so he could score on some big plays he might get 17 points one week and then three points the next and then Jamison Crowder I mean in Jamison Crowder last season like he scored some games where it's like 21 27 18 points and then in between there he has four points three points six points so I think Shabes's team will push for playoffs absolutely I think he'll be the team with the worst record that scores the most amount of 175 180 plus point games in a week like his team has such big boomer bust potential um kind of like you're talking about with the glass cannon and um i think that's the perfect metaphor that you had mentioned not just for leonard fournette but for shaves team yeah and i think shaves kinds of like like shaves kind of likes being the wild card similar to charlie in <laughs> <laughs> it's always sunny in philadelphia um shaves you know, kudos, man. You're really, really scrapping. You really drew a short straw facing up against Kayvon's death team week one. So I don't think your week one performance will be indicative of your season. Yeah, I think he plays Kayvon and Kevin twice this season. So That's his strength of schedule, yeah, it's a tough draw. Um, luckily, he doesn't play me twice. but he, So he's got to win those pivotal matchups. But even if he scrapes by in the wild card... Um, he could make a really good playoff run. And that's I think that's what I'm more scared about. I'm not necessarily scared about him midseason. I think he will have probably a 175-point game. Mm-hmm. But yeah, dude, his his team is just the bad news bears. They just got a chip on their shoulder, and they're, um, they're all players who <laughs> could just go off any given week or could get injured any given week. So we'll mm-hmm. see how his team plays out. I think that this season we're going to see a lot of unpredictability just with you know COVID and how things play out and just backups moving in and so i think shapes team could be that team that um weathers the storm but we'll see we'll see moving forward to our number six spot we have tim demartin prey what do you think about tim's team moving forward in 2020 yeah tim's team man i think his starting his starting 12 is right up there with you know the rest of the teams on the league you know maybe maybe a little bit behind uh, you and Kayvon, obviously because you guys have such heavy hitters um, who produce weekly, but I think Tim's starting 12, they, they compete with Kevin, myself, Jimmy, all those guys. I won't give away the order, but yeah, it's, it, I think where the problem is for me is, is the depth of Tim's team. And when we're talking about 2020 bye weeks, injuries, maintenance games, things like that, um, you're going to need that depth and he just doesn't have it. And he, he has some guys that are have some question marks for me, like Tyler Boyd. You got AJ Green healthy. You got T Higgins there. You got Joe Burrow, who's going to be learning a new offense. And so based on the chalk, based on how Sleeper has them projected in these games, he can compete, but there are some question marks. And so that's why I actually had him um, a bit below the other guys was the depth. 
as well as his starters, although they can produce, I think they have some question marks myself. Um, but he does have two really good running backs in Josh Jacobs and Miles Sanders. And I don't think he gets mentioned enough in our league how Kayvon has such good running backs. In two years, Tim's going to be in that position. He's going to be right up there with Eric having just like crazy running back stables. But for 2020, this is kind of just where I see him falling. Yeah, Tim's team is super young and super solid. I think all of his players for me are holds. You know, you've got Josh Jacobs and Miles Sanders, which are great players. You've got DJ Moore, who could be wide receiver one for the years to come. Um, I think where his team, his weaknesses of his team are those um, secondary positions, you know, quarterback and tight end. I don't think that he can compete with, you know, the likes of me, Kevin, and Kayvon for that for those reasons. I don't think Matt Ryan and Baker Mayfield, you're going to win those matchups. Those are instant losses when you play me as well as Mike Jacecki is, is just not going to, he's not going to be able to compete with the Kelsey's, the Ertz's and um, the Kittles of the world, you know, so. And the Darren Wallers. And the Wallers, you know, even the Wallers. <laughs> um, you can't get past that Waller. I do like, you know, the people on his team are super young, you know, with CD Lamb. I think Tariq Cohen, you know, his stock just went up with the David Montgomery injury news, but I don't think that his team has it to be out some of these top teams and i don't think that his sting is as powerful as you know shaves his sting on his best day but again moving forward he's going to be one of those teams that's going to be a solid contender in our league if he gets another piece or if he is able to make a move for a legit bona fide qb1 tn1 or tight end one then he could be you know a really solid team but yeah his his core 12 is a good solid core 12 keepers um, but in, in terms of 2020, you know, I don't, I don't think he breaks the top five. And then uh, next up, uh, we actually have a tie for this spot. And so this is going to be the fourth, fifth spot. And this is going to be me and Jimmy. And we were talking a little bit about it beforehand, Joe, of why you like uh, this tie here. Could you elaborate a little bit more? Yeah, so I think it is interesting that this is a tie because I see these teams almost developing some sort of a rivalry i mean jimmy and mj are friends but within the league i think you jimmy yeah so (laughs) so let's get that clear but (laughs) but um yeah i think that they're fighting for the top four jimmy is trying to assert his dominance and say you know i am a top four i'm a contender um i'm even probably top three top two top one in his mind and mj is trying to stay in the top four he's trying to keep his spot and so um, Jimmy's the new kid on the block trying to knock, you know, big bad MJ off his block. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to see how this matchup. And it's one of those things where I think only one of them can succeed and make it into um, the semifinals of playoffs. And so I'm excited to see who's going to be. I'm, gonna, I'm excited to see how your team performs, MJ. You've kind of pivoted and moved players around. And so, yeah, what, what, what do you think about this matchup? Yeah, I think it's great. Honestly, if there was anybody in the league that I wanted a rivalry with, it's going to be James Richard Clifton III. He is, one, he's a great guy. I love you, Jimmy. And I hope hopefully you're listening. But yeah, I, I think it's just going to be a fun matchup. And when I think of like an arms race and value that we could potentially move away in the future, I think he edges me out because he has Ezekiel Elliott, because he has Joe Mixon. And guys, you're going to want to buy them for a pretty good price. And I don't think I, I have that long-term arms race terms. I think Jimmy's set up, but 
I really do really like, obviously, the way my team has shaken out. I have Aaron Jones and James Conner, who both can go off. Um, and I really like the Cooper Cup pickup with DK Metcalf. So I feel like my wide receivers are set for like the next handful of years. Um, and I really like the guys that I'm specking, right? Like I have David Johnson and I've been on this David Johnson hype train. Like I think he's going to come back and prove that he's a top five fantasy running back in Houston, you know, barring injury. Um, and then I was able to pick up Drew Locke uh, along with Jerry Judy. And so I think for the future of wide receivers, I edge his team out, but we are a PPR league, which means running backs will be elevated and Jimmy's roster does beat me out there. So um, we'll see, we'll see what happens, but I really like being tied with Jimmy here. And I like the narrative you put on it. Like I'm fighting for my seat at the kitty table and Jimmy is just this oversized kid about to elbow me out of my seat and might even force his way up to the adult table, you know, fine dining with you, uh, Kevin and Kayvon and trying to get his meal in. And so um, I really like that narrative you've spun because Jimmy, he's a great guy. And I think our teams are going to have really good matchups and just for even, um, yeah, just talk about it. We're, we're within five points ish when it comes to sleeper chalk of, of our teams. And so it's, it's really close, really, really close in, in how sleeper even values our teams. But I think I do have them on depth. So there's that aspect to depending on how the season plays out. Like I think my team, like my bench blows his bench out of the water um, if we were to play those guys instead. But we'll see. I like Jimmy's specs that we talked about. He had a lot of boomer bust picks in the draft. And so if he hits, you know, it's it's Jimmy all the way in the fourth spot and I'm in the fifth trying to fight my way into playoffs. But we'll see. Because um, if he misses, it's going to be tough for him to come back from that in 2021. But for 2020, me and Jimmy all the way. Yeah, I think in 2021, Jimmy's team looks really stable. I think 2021 or 2020, what solidifies it, Jimmy's team probably slightly above yours is the fact that you know he's got Ezekiel Elliott who is arguably like a top three back in this league but you know I really do think that you win the tight end matchup I mean he's got Dallas Goddard so he's basically saying I think I've got the young kid mm-hmm. um, and you know you've got Zach Ertz so you've got the the old gun but I mean your quarterback he's got Russell Wilson you've got Kyler Murray for me that's a wash I think I'm not that big of a fan of Joe Mixon, um, but he could win that matchup for him. But at the end of the day, um, your guys' wide receivers, you've got really young wide receivers who have a lot of potential, and he's got kind of well-established older wide receivers and Evans, Woods, OBJ, um, and DJ Chark, you know, in his third year is pretty decent Mm -hmm. wide receiver as well. So, I mean, I think he's got a lot of stability to his team. But it's I'm really excited to see when you guys face off, you know, head to head, whatever week that is. And so to see who is that team and who gets the better playoff seating. And it would be cool to see you guys, you know, even fight it off in the playoffs if that ends up working out and seeing. That'd be pretty epic. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool. So we have you guys tied off. We'll see how the season plays out. And then next up, um, which is going to give away the, the, the top two, but we have Kevin firmly in the third spot. We've had him here for a while now. Nothing changes up here. Yeah. What do you like? What do you dislike about Kevin for 2020? Kevin's team is all sauce. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I really like Kevin's team. I think that he's got really good players. I think he's going to be top three for a long time. I think his running backs is what um, differentiates him between Kayvon and I. But I think he does have better wide receivers than Kayvon and I. Maybe not. I don't know. It, his team his team is very young and is very good. Like He's got Michael Thomas, who is the best wide receiver in this league. 
you know, Chris Godwin, Terry McLaren. I love Terry McLaren, by the way. I think that he's scary really good Terry. value for where he drafted him at. He's scary. He's um, he's going to be one of those key players in Washington. And yeah, he's a, he's a touchdown threat for sure. Juju, I've heard a lot that he's not performing well in camp, but you know, you you can never count Juju out. I think that he's still a wide receiver one potential, and I think that he's going to do well this year with Big Ben coming back. But uh, it does scare me a little bit to hear some of the things coming out of the campus. He, you know, he can't even beat Team Two DBs. But I do think that he has in depth on his bench with Kareem Hunt and Le'Veon Bell, Chris Carson, Stefan Diggs. And so that's the one thing that I also really like about his team is he's got a pretty dope starting 12, but he's also just got any, he could replace anybody with anybody on his lineup. So even during this COVID year where we see a lot of players maybe sit out or see a lot of players, you know, contract COVID or get injured, you know, fantasy football, um, mm-hmm. just general fantasy football stuff, we could see his team, you know, weather the storm because of how much depth he has. And I think that's something that even Kevin and I don't necessarily have is the amount of depth that Kevin has. I think that you can't deny that Kevin has the, the biggest depth out of everybody. That being said, Kevin has a lot more. I think he, he doesn't necessarily have the best starting 12, but he's probably got the best starting 15. And so I, I would like to see him maybe like package some of these guys together and get like, guys who can compete um, and just put him over the edge of me or Kevin or uh, Kayvon, excuse me. So, but I like his team. I think his probably his greatest weakness is I think that um, strictly speaking, Kayvon and I have better running backs, but yeah, his team definitely has the potential to go blow for blow with uh, your roster or Kayvon's roster. I think hit the nail right on the head though. When it comes to Kevin is Kevin really wants to build depth and he wants to have proven players at the top end while churning the bottom of his roster to find guys who will produce now and in the long term, which is just good fantasy dynasty strategy. And he has the capital to do that, right? Um, I think what is going to be the player that dictates if Kevin stays at three, I don't think he gets any worse than third. But what I think dictates if Kevin can jump over you and Kayvon is going to be the play of Michael Thomas, because we already talked about the running backs, right? Like, Objectively, you guys have better running back stables, but if Michael Thomas can go off in Drew Brees' final, possibly his final year in the league, then I think Michael Thomas accounts for two wide receivers. He's essentially playing with, we have eight starting offensive positions in our league. Kevin is playing with nine when he plays with Michael Thomas because Michael Thomas can absolutely just dominate games. Like I think Michael Thomas is top three wide receivers all time that's a bold statement i I can stand by that michael thomas especially fantasy wise the dude just eats up targets and drew Brees loves throwing his way so if michael thomas has an all just career kind of year i really think he could jump over you or Kayvon because he does have um the depth and he has um a guy who essentially creates another offensive starting spot in michael thomas Obviously, your guys' running backs can do that for you, too, with Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara. Um, but I think the distance between his running backs and your running backs is smaller than the distance between Michael Thomas's ceilings and then the ceilings of your guys' wide receivers. So if Michael Thomas can shore up that distance um, that's left by the running backs, I really think Kevin can make a push. And, I mean, there's not much else to say. His, his depth is, is really, really good. I think an interesting point 
is Kevin always talks about how our league values quarterbacks way too much. And he has five on his roster right now. So maybe he's trying to capitalize on that and trying to move quarterbacks around um, or see how things shake out in Jacksonville. Cause he has, you know, the man, the mustache Gardner Minshew, the second. Um, and so we'll see how it goes. Le'Veon Bell, he is ride or die for Lev, but I don't know. I just, I just don't see the cards <laughs> falling uh, for Le'Veon Bell and Chris Carson. So we'll see. I really like his roster. Like I said, Bryce Love is probably my favorite player um, that's on his bench right now. Um, I really like Kevin's Kevin's spot here at three because I think he has potential to break into top two. And if I had to choose, he kicks Kayvon out. <laughs> um, if I had to choose, I mean, that's he, only, he did last yeah. year. So he did, yeah, exactly. So um, we'll we'll see. So uh, the top two spots, Joe. Do you want to? I feel like it's only right that that you talk about it first. I just want to. I just want to give you honor and respect that you deserve, champ. And you can go ahead and go off. So the top two spots. Obviously, I'm up there in the top two. <laughs> Kayvon's up there in the top two. Mm-hmm. Now the order for this year, I think, is a little bit interesting. I think it kind of goes off of what you value more, and. You know, for me personally, I think I have to give it to Kayvon this year. But in your rankings, you gave it to me this year. So mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. have tied Kayvon and I going into the 2020 season. Um, and I think similarly to you and Jimmy, Kayvon and I are the other rivalry in our league. It's the two guys fighting for that number one spot, fighting for that championship, fighting to be the undeniable best team in our league. I think I've done a pretty good job so far, um, but can I keep that run up? I think Kayvon um, has definitely given me a run for my money every year. And I think that, you know, this year could be the year that he, you know, does get that championship ring. Just kind of breaking down our teams a little bit. I think that the thing that when, when I was looking at these power rankings going into 2020, I think the thing that hurts my team is my running back depth. And that's something that Kayvon has just on lock. Um, you know, his starting two is Saquon Barkley and Dalvin Cook, but his depth being Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Austin Eckler, um, those are great backups and those are great flex plays as well. You know, it's kind of a bummer that Clyde Edwards is going to just be that <laughs> dominant, you know, day one. And um, so that can be a really good flex play for him. I think he also, you know, has that Alexander Madison handcuff. So the glass cannon that is Dalvin Cook goes down. He does have the plug and play replacement. So that's really good for him. And then I really like his wide receiver depth too. I think that um, I had really good wide receiver depth and I kind of traded it to get more running back depth. And so I think that for those reasons, Kayvon um, is, edges me out a little bit. I think strictly speaking, I like my wide receivers more, but you can't deny that. I mean, AJ Brown and Amari Cooper right now are on his bench. If he does go for the four running back play and then he has Julio Jones and Tyreek Hill in a starting lineup, I mean, he's got really big name power, but we'll see um, if those wide receivers can perform for him this year. Um, I think where I beat Kayvon out is uh, my quarterback and tight end position. I've heard a lot of good things about Evan Ingram, so I mean, I can't knock on him too much. I think that he's a solid tight end, but you also can't deny um, the combination of Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. It's kind of the one-two punch there. And so I think Such I automatically... Yeah, I think I automatically win those matchups. Um, that being that he doesn't necessarily have that quarterback that 
has as much star power as Patrick Mahomes. I mean, there's there's only a few. There's like Lamar Jackson. He did draft Joe Burrow, kind of hoping that that guy will transition into that you know new Patrick Mahomes. But if he doesn't, then he's stuck with Kirk Cousins and Dak Prescott, which Dak Prescott is you know not a quarterback that you can sneeze at. But I think I automatically win that matchup. I also like you know my running backs in terms of just their PPR standing. If mm-hmm. Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara perform as you know they're slated to do, I really like them moving forward. But you can't deny that he has four solid running backs that can do what my running backs can do on any given week. And so, I think I think it's tough to say, but objective. I think if I had to be honest, I think that Kayvon just has a little bit more depth. And with this COVID season, you know, if Alvin Kamara goes down, I have to plug in DeAndre Swift, and if he's not ready then he's not ready and I have to roll with that. So it's looking like I'm going to have to be playing more wide receivers when he's playing more running backs. And so I'm hoping that Mm -hmm. um, my wide receivers can perform up to the level of his running backs. And that's, that's a hard task for, I think some of those guys. Yeah. um, I mean, we're splitting hairs here, right? You guys have just absolutely loaded rosters. The only way that you guys don't finish one and two is, um, is because the playoff seating has you guys facing off somewhere in the first round or something like that. And, um, only one guy uh, advances. And so if Kayvon's number one, you're number two, or vice versa, it, it's not really going to affect too much beyond that because everybody else is just trying to play catch up, right? I think Kayvon's team, Saquon Barkley, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Austin Eckler, Dalvin Cook, those are four guys that on in any fantasy league should be on separate rosters. And um, the reason why I have you over him personally is – Um, I think Julio Jones is a generational talent. Don't get me wrong. Like, I think he's incredible. I think he's hindered by his quarterback play. And Matty Ice is great. No disrespect to him. But I just think um, your wide receivers with Devontae Adams and um, maybe, maybe Adam Thielen, I just think their quarterback play is going to be more conducive to their success than Julio Jones is. Um, I mean, Julio Jones is great. He's going to get his targets, but you, you also, Joe, you have Calvin Ridley. So, I mean, that if Matt Ryan goes off, yes, that increases Julio Jones's value, but it also increases your flex spot value. So it's kind of a catch 22 there uh, for Kayvon, depending on Matt Ryan's performance. Um, And like you said, the quarterback situation, historically rookie quarterbacks aren't really going to be going off their rookie year. Um, fantasy wise for the past few seasons it's been second year quarterbacks and so maybe Joe Burrow is gonna be a really good hold for him going into uh, 2021 but for 2020 I really think um, we're splitting hairs I think you edge him out a little bit Um, and even with his wide receiver depth if I'm being honest like I'm not super high on Amari Cooper he's in a crowded room and I think CeeDee Lamb is gonna be the standout guy AJ Brown is cool too but then You know, the limiting factor there is with his quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, who I picked up. Um, But I mean, he's not going to be, he's not going to have that kind of sustained value. Like regression is on its way for Ryan Tannehill and therefore for AJ Brown as well. AJ Green is, is aging a little bit too. It's nice that he has the AJ Green, Joe Burrow stack, but yeah, he has depth. I just think your wide receivers do edge him out. Um, But we'll see Dalvin Cook, if he goes down with an injury, uh, he has Madison, but I mean, we've seen Madison perform. I just don't think he's going to perform up to the up to par with your flex players there. All yeah, that to and say, I think I think moving players. forward, moving forward too, I do like the outlook of my team. I think if mm-hmm. I was going to do a non, you know, like a 
in terms of value moving forward. Um, I do have Shabes' pick. So if the glass cannon of Shabes, you know, eventually shatters, and if he doesn't make the playoffs this year, I could potentially get one of these really good running backs that could give mm -hmm. me a little bit more depth there. Or I can use that pick to, um, you know, get another running back or trade, you know, that pick and a wide receiver for a running back or a better wide receiver, giving me that positional advantage. Um, and then DeAndre Swift moving forward, I don't think he's going to have the best 2020. But, you know, at the same time, on Johnson is still in a walking or has, a, has is running with a knee brace during training camp. And he's saying that it's basically just a part of him now. I think that they drafted DeAndre Swift so early because they realized that on Johnson is not going to be a reliable running back. So I'm excited about DeAndre Swift moving forward. And I'm really hoping that Cam Akers can solidify himself as the RB1. Maybe he won't make much of an impact in 2020, um, but maybe in 2021, 2022, mm -hmm. they kind of um, keep him on his rookie deal and kind of move on from those other guys. Uh, we'll see. It's kind of looking like a running back by committee, but if those other guys, you know, go down or if he's just clearly the better back, um, then he could mature into a really good RB4 for me. Yeah. Um, so I think that there's a lot of potential for my team moving forward. But in 2020, I think it's really going to be, uh, like you said, like splitting hairs and a coin flip. And so mm -hmm. um, yeah. I'm excited to see how this rivalry plays out. I'm, I'm ready for it. And um, yeah, may the best man win. Yeah, and, and I need to say this, guys. Kayvon, his draft picks next year, he's missing a second. His first round pick is Joe's, so he's probably picking ninth or 10th. Please, guys, please do not give your draft picks to Kayvon. I'm just begging all of you, do not do it. If he offers you, unless he's offering you Saquon Barkley, do not budge. Like, this guy... I just, I, I'm forecasting it right now. He's going to be picking in the top five. Kayvon is going to be picking in the top five of the 2021 draft. And I hate that I know that already. But please, guys, please make him bleed for it. Make him give it an <laughs> arm and a leg for those picks. And yes, I'm talking to you guys who are at the bottom. Just please don't give him your draft picks. Let him just rot with the ninth or tenth pick and then waiting until the third round. Guys, this is how you close the gap boy like just embargo him embargo the crap out of him um, but anyways that's all that we had for you guys today we hope you had fun tuning in on the pod we had a lot of fun talking about the draft and our post draft analysis with the power rankings guys we're excited for this season to start off it's going to look really different than years past um, but we love playing with you guys thanks for tuning in and as always don't trade with Kayvon and we need to get to our wrecks for the week. So Joe, what is your wreck for the people? Dude, my wreck is this fun little game I've been playing, Fall Guys. Um, <laughs> it's, this, it's this battle royale party game and I've been grinding it. I have over 20 wins. I'm really good at it. Um, so if any of you guys have a computer, you wanna play Fall Guys, hit me up. MJ, what's your wreck for this week? My wreck? is going to be not trading your draft picks to Kayvon, guys. I, it's the only thing I can keep on my mind right now. Please do not give this man your draft picks. My recommendation, send them over to your boy. I'll give you a good deal. I'll give you a great deal. Help me stay at the kiddies table. That's all I care about. Please. That, that is literally going to be my record this week because I can't just, I cannot stress it enough, you guys. Don't give Kayvon your draft picks. 
I love you guys. Thank you again so much for tuning in. And for the Commission Talk podcast, I'm MJ, my buddy Joe. We're signing off. Peace. Adios.